Hello and welcome to episode 210 of Effect, Alien Mother. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dave, and it's a lovely, hot, steamy day here in the, in the good old UK where we're recording this on a, on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, so I just I have turned off my fan because otherwise it comes through on the recording. I'll just have you know, so I am I'm suffering for my art this week. But on the show this week, um, we've got a lot to talk about in the world of gaming. We do seem to be having a lot more to talk about in the world of gaming in in recent months than we had before. But that's great. That's brilliant. But then the main the the main feature of the show is the interview that Matthew did with Fiona Howitt, who was the mother of the Alien competition at UK Games Expo a couple of weeks ago. So that's going to be really interesting to hear what she's got to say about the uh, the competition, how it went down, and I mean it seemed to be a great success. But we'll talk about that uh, a bit later on. But that's basically it for the show. So uh, you got you got um, we got plenty to talk about. Yeah. So um, let's let's crack straight in, shall we? Well, that's quite a short intro for such a busy show. You know, normally we talk about <clears throat> what we're going to talk about for a lot longer. So I'm well, I'm well, questioning well, well, whether there really is a lot to talk about. Well, I think there is, but I decided not to go through the list of all the things we're going to talk about in the world world of gaming. Okay. Until we actually get no, to talk no, about them good. in the world of gaming. That's good. Because then we just say it Let's twice. talk about that. So, let's get, yeah. let's oh, get on guess, to the world of gaming. Well, first things first. Um, do we have any new patrons to thank this week? Well, you should have checked that before you did the intro. Now, I know what the but answer no. is. I'm just doing a no. conversation for the show, for God's sake. <laughs> it's very boring no, we if don't we just have any new read patrons, out our show so. notes, isn't it? You know. So, uh, title, yeah, introductions, yeah, new patron, no new patrons, world of game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. This is all about, yeah. this is no, the we... magic behind the curtain, Matthew. Don't forget it, you've been doing this long enough. Look, look, everybody came and they watched the magic behind the curtain in the recording of the last episode, and you didn't think they'd be interested, but they were. They, they were it. brilliant. Yeah, we should talk about that, actually, a little bit, because... That was we fun. we could maybe maybe towards the end of the world of gaming let's yeah. uh, let's do our um, expo memories uh, UK games expo memories yeah as yeah. it says on the show notes here <laughs> as it does but we'll exactly. pretend that it's spontaneous well actually, well actually it says expo memories it doesn't say UK games expo memories anymore so. <laughs> right yeah I'm, there's a little bit of shorthand there totally Have we unscripted been to expo? no to- we haven't totally unscripted episodes guys we we know we don't plan this in advance at all. Obviously, world of gaming, world of gaming, <laughs> Dave. Well, no patrons got... this this time, which is fine. Um, but again, a thank you to all our existing patrons and everyone who listens. Anyway, yes, world of gaming. Brilliant. Okay, now uh, have you got your Morkborg PDF, Dave? No, sorry, not Morkborg. What I mean, our pirate Borg PDF. Uh, I. If I you do, haven't I haven't, downloaded it. Yet. If I do, I haven't looked at it. I think I think I've got it. I haven't I haven't downloaded it because um, I guess. You so know. Dave and I were sent, I believe, PDFs of Pirate Borg because yeah. Free League have announced, and I'm a bit confused about this, but they've mm. announced a pre-order for Pirate Borg and a release in retail on a very special day, Dave. International talk like a pirate day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it always reminds um, me of uh, not joining us in the ha-ha's, Percy, line from Black Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, international talk like a pirate day. Um, now, I'm saying I'm a bit confused about this because, of course, um, Pirate Borg was, ki- was, was a Kickstarter. A yeah. 
Yeah, and and not long ago, March or something like that. So I guess that's the original pre-order. And I don't know, but I imagine that there was a kind of um, backer kit if you if you missed if you missed the pre-order or if you missed the Kickstarter, you can pre-order via backer kit. And now freely back at that time, but, the, but it wasn't freely. Free hadn't said they were going to publish it. Yeah, I was going to say it wasn't a freely no. Kickstarter back in the day, was it? Or back in the day, back no. in back two months ago. It was a limathon, apparently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is, you know, so I don't, I have no idea whether backers are getting it first. I hope they are because they backed it and that would make sense, that privilege. Uh, and then maybe there'll be a print run for backers, but then maybe pre-orders will then happen. And then, I mean, we've got plenty of time before the, 19th of September, which is, I believe, the date of International Talk Like a Pirate Day. So a time Har-har, to get c- copies out to everybody. Um, yeah, we got we got PDFs in relation to that announcement. And uh, you're not a big Morkborg uh, fan, are you? Dave? Well, I've I've never played it, so I think I haven't had the chance to experience the you know the experience of playing the game. I think, like we're talking about when. When um, Johan was with us at UK Games Expo, I think for me, I I tend to prefer games that allow you to develop characters and move on, and this isn't a game like that. So I think occasionally it'll be fine for a one-off bit of fun, but it's it's not really the reason why I roleplay this kind of game. Mm. No, well, we may, maybe we should do a a one-off. Maybe we should uh, try it out, and um... I, mean, I should I should give it a try, frankly, because then I might. Love it and never play anything else again. But um, yeah, yeah, um, maybe stream it because um, uh, we haven't done yeah. much streaming recently. We could do that, or, do or maybe, that. or uh, maybe we could we could run Pirate Borg, perhaps. Yeah, or even Pirate Borg. That's 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 the one I was thinking about. Yes, <laughs> the one we're um, talking about that's just going up for pre-order. The, the game we're actually talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is one of our best. This is one of our best recordings ever, isn't it, Dave? Oh, I, I think people. I think people listen to us to hear us talk like this. I think they yeah. like just to laugh at our utter ineptitude and inability to form a full, you know, sentence. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> they're, get, they're getting the mother load today. They are with that lot. They, they yes. sure are. The mother load. Um, did you get that? The mother load. Yeah, yeah, I did. That's, I did. I um, mother load. Clever. Alien mother load. Yeah, that's that's a good segue. Sadly, not about far, the time that we're going to move on to the interview. Far too early. We've got a whole world of gaming to go here. Post production, mate. Post production. <laughs> Put this bit last. I'm sure we can. Yeah, we'll just change the whole order about, and it'll be perfect when you when you no, you won't hear any of this. Listeners. No one will you know that any we are being blathering idiots this morning. <laughs> well, of course, our our top level patrons will know because they get yep. the privilege of listening to that before they know we do the anyway. editing. Yeah, <laughs> they know. Um, they know it so, however, you know, we haven't done anything. I think as clumsy as what Renegade Game Studios did uh, earlier <laughs> in the week. No, that um, was that was entertaining, wasn't it? Vaguely entertaining. I mean, we've been entertained this week with um, uh, the Wagner Group turning on their paymasters in Russia only yesterday and then backing down. Um, God knows what's happening there. It is a strange situation. In two weeks' time, we may have another episode or we may have all burned in a in a nuclear inferno. Who can tell? Um, <laughs> let's, let, yeah, let's be optimistic, hey? You know. <laughs> um, yeah, let's assume there is a show in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Renegade, yeah. though... Um, 
they they sent their so lawyers think, or so rather, they, they got their lawyers. Be, yeah, I think we need to be fairly specific here. So Renegade Game Studios are what we're talking yes. about here. Yeah, because that's quite important to the they, point, isn't it? They sent their lawyers to a company, and if you want me to be specific, I'm going to have to look at the name of the company now because I forgot what it was called. Um, um, ah, now, why did you say we had to be specific? Bear with me. Um, Polyhedral Knights, and their game is called Polyhedral Renegade, Knights, and their game is called Renegade City. Yeah, and they said it was an infringement of their um, uh, what do you call that um, IP? I guess their, yeah, their in, trademark, in Renegade intellectual property. Yeah, and um, uh, the game world looked a little askance at this because we thought, well, Renegade's just a word, um, <laughs> and yeah. by having Renegade Game Studios, it doesn't mean that nobody can use the word Renegade. It would be like Apple saying, nobody can call that round fruit. I get off trees in my back garden, Apple, because apples are only computers; they're not actually fruit anymore. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I, I had to look at what. Um, what polyhedral knights have produced and i thought well blimey neck you know it's called uh, did we actually say what it's called it's called renegade city is, renegade is city the name yeah of the game yeah and i it's not a ripoff of anything renegade game studios do renegade are now the publishers we ought to say of of the vampire and the world of darkness line and all of that um and it's nothing like that it's um it's in not one single trench coat or katana in 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 the whole thing well actually i can't be sure there aren't katanas in the whole thing but what it is a ripoff of is it looks to me um uh, the gta series from from the grand theft uh, auto by games. rockstar yeah yeah well yeah I mean, if you looked at it you would think with the with the the the, the writing style and the font and the the art style you would think immediately that's grand theft auto yeah it looks so Exactly like it, yeah. I, in fact, I tweeted them and said, you know, we're recording later in the week. Do you want to give us a statement before we accuse you of bullying a small company? And I, who I tweeted was not Rockstar, I should say, but uh, Renegade Game Studios. And I think that plus other feedback that they got off the social media made them have a chat with their lawyers again. And they then issued a statement that was kind of saying, look, we were worried that Rockstar was going to sue us because of this game, which... Yeah, yeah I, I think I mean, that the whole thing is a bit whiffy because yeah. if 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 they were concerned that Rockstar was going to sue them because of this, then why waste all this time and effort? Because actually, they can't sue them over this because this has got nothing to do with them, and they could prove that yeah. in, instantly. Uh, and I imagine Rockstar's but, but, lawyers are good at that sort of stuff. They look shit up because that's what yeah, they always do. I, I suspect they could work out that this wasn't whatever they are. Um, Renegade Game Studios doing this, um, yeah. but then what? What? So, so if that is your excuse, that's really, I don't. Even I, as the idiot that I am, can see that's stupid. Um, if that's not your mm. excuse, then why are you doing it? And as you say, it does feels like a a, a big, uh, you know, a, a a big entity in the world trying to bully a little entity in the world, which seems. Uh, entirely, uh, you know, unpleasant and unnecessary to me. I don't know. It just seems yeah. The whole the whole fact that this has happened that we're talking about it just seems 
what the fuck? Why? This? How yeah. the hell did this happen? How did they let themselves get into this position? I don't know. It's And it, it's not even like they're really a big entity. I mean, you know, you can sort of forgive Hasbro. I guess a bigger whoever. entity, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. But I do think companies, are, any anybody less than Hasbro, Games Workshop and Asmodee, generally ought to be supporting each other and helping each other through these things. You know, mm. you know may, maybe even if the you know, CEO of Renegade had got in touch with the guys from Polyhedral Knights and say, you know, we think you're a bit close to Renegade, um, to Rockstar's IP here. Can we help you? Can we help you yeah. be not so close to Rockstar's IP? Or something yeah. like that. Or even... Um, you know, maybe you could choose a different name because I, I don't want to be, you know, we should generally be working together. That's my thing. That's yeah. my thing. You could be advising them, um, giving, giving them well-intentioned comment yeah. rather than just yeah. throwing a cease and desist order at them. Which, exactly. was, I guess, was, was never going to stick anyway, was it? I mean, other circumstances. Even, even I was reading somewhere, even uh, McDonald's did it years ago against a company oh, yeah? against a against a shop in Scotland somewhere which was called McDonald's I think it was and in it was, Ireland oh right no McDonald's <laughs> no this is um because it was run yeah, by a woman yeah, okay. whose surname was McDonald but they won yeah. that and this was about 20 years ago but then I read something recently I think the one you're referring to in Ireland where they tried to do the same and the court stuck their fingers up at them and said sod off yeah, you know, you, although you then a higher court then actually did let them. So did it? Oh, that's no good. That was over the Big Mac, I think. And uh, oh, that was it. Yeah, whether that yeah. was trademarked, and a higher court did say, "You're that. That is a trademark thing." But um, but yeah, no, <clears throat> no, yeah, yeah, big, but big, you know, big companies like McDonald's. A, you can understand it all. Whether it's fair or not, I'm not going to comment on. But you can understand a big company like that protecting their thing. But really. Everybody below Hasbro in the gaming world, not Hasbro, Hasbody, um, Games Workshop, anybody that isn't one of those three companies in the gaming world ought to be being a little bit more cooperative with everybody else, I feel. That's it. Because it's us against yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't, I anyway. don't really know what, what, what um, Renegade Game Studios were hoping to, to achieve. Even if they did no. change it from Renegade City to, I don't know, Freelancer City or whatever. Um, oh, Freelancer City. I think Freely would have a word to say about that. <laughs> They're using the word free. That's part of Free League's IP. <laughs> well, Microsoft might have a problem with it because there was a great game called Freelancer on, uh, <laughs> on, on, yeah. on computer many years ago. But anyway, yeah, it just, yeah. It, it seems like an own goal when they weren't even... An opposition on the on the pitch, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah that's it. I mean, what's it going to take from them? Okay, let's talk about something more positive. The Diana Jones nominees have been announced. Yep. Now, now Dave, many, you're an expert many... on the Diana Jones Award. Start off by telling me who was Diana Jones. Uh, so I'm not an expert of the Diana Jones Awards. I, I am aware that they came about through. Um, the burning of the last copy of Indiana Jones game by TSR. Is that right? Back in the day? Yeah, I think actually, interestingly, um, it was the Games Workshop reprint of the TSR game that was burned. Right. Um, but uh, so I think I think its heritage is here in England and in wherever, wherever Games Workshop were based at the time. And they had yeah. to burn all their copies because TSR had lost the um, IP. Lost the license, yeah. 
And it was a shit game anyway that nobody enjoyed. Um, so yeah, that was that was a trick question on my part. I knew damn well who Diana Jones is, um, and well done, well done on that. Uh, and uh, thank you. we we thank you. We I know, are, you, had to, I know we, you had to get me out of bed this morning because I overslept, but you know. That's good. We have, of course, been previous winners of the Diana Jones Award. You and I, Dave. Remind me. Two or three years ago, they awarded it to podcasting and streaming. It was to everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, okay, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so you know, we can clap ourselves on the back. I'm Shall tap- I... Uh, I'll add that, uh, add that to my bio for when, you know, when I'm trying to get work. Winner yeah, of bio. the Diana Jones Award. Along with every other human being who's ever podcasted about games. <laughs> uh, Time magazine uh, once said that um, YouTubers were their person of the year, and I know a YouTuber who then had on his bio winner of Time magazine's person of the year, twenty nineteen. <laughs> well, I guess technically he's right or she's yeah, right. Yeah, you know, technically they're not lying. Yeah, uh, no, 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 exactly. So maybe, maybe I should then. Maybe I should. Yeah, I, I would if I were you. I absolutely would. Um, I now, get, frankly, I recognise a number of the names, and the, what they're not doing this year is they're not awarding it to people in general of any group or uh, specificity. Um, Coyote and Crow uh, are up for it, which mm-hmm. is the um, the role playing game of if if colonisers had never colonised North America. Um, yeah which we talked about in a previous episode. We did. Um, no, I was going to kickstart that, but I never did. I wonder why. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, my, my mistake. Maybe or it was in the days when or, you didn't have, didn't have so much money, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was it in the was, days when it, I wasn't getting paid. It was a paid. victim of, of, um, yeah, of bank balances. And similarly, the Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, which is a D&D supplement, but specifically looking at um, marginalised groups being the authors and things like that. So that's quite a progressive supplement there. Cool. Um, and then one that neither you nor I had heard of, which uh, I we've just looked up, so we know about it now, and that's uh, the RPG Rosenstrasse. Yeah. Which is set in uh, 1933, before the war, and deals in, with um, set in the Berlin. Of fascism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, just just as an aside to that, the Nazi party. I almost bought myself a board game yesterday, which I wanted to buy years ago, and I sold the last copy of it in um in the games shop when I was working there, okay. and then really regretted selling it, thinking, "No, I should have <laughs> bought that myself." And that's a game called Secret Hitler, which is a bit like you know those games like Werewolf and the like. Yeah, I, I haven't played it, but the guys down at the game club here have played it a lot. Yeah. Well, this is a bit like that, except half of you are fascists and half of you are liberals. And one of you is Hitler. And one of you is... I have played it, actually, yeah, a long time ago. What, the, yeah. the werewolf or Secret Hitler? Secret Hitler. You've played Secret Hitler? Yeah, I've yeah. never played it, but I, I Years really and years ago, it. yeah. But, but I'm... I, anyway, it's back in stock at the game shop and there are lots of copies. And I almost ah. picked it up yesterday when I was at um, Free RPG Day. Ah, um, yeah, indeed. Uh, but I didn't. I um, just picked up my free swag instead. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, but, yeah, so where are we? Rosenstrass, uh, Linda Kodega is also one of the potential winners. She was the journalist that broke that whole story about um, the dodgy uh, rewriting of the OGL that um, Hasbro mm. did uh, some time yeah. ago. And then, and this is, uh, I'm sure, your favourite to win is Cole Verle. I don't know how you pronounce his word, uh, how his surname, uh, Worley, Verley, Verley. Verler, Verler. Anyway, he is uh, the author of many of the fabulous board games that come out of Leader Games, including your favourite and mine, (laughs) Oath. (laughs) So there is a bit of history here. Lovely listeners, um, at our last uh, uh, weekend gaming away, uh, gaming away, gaming, gaming away, gaming away. <laughs> it's called it's called gaming away. Anyway, um, that's the name for it now. The gaming. Away. It could be gaming away. Um, I like gaming away. Yeah, let's, let's, gaming away. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, anyway, at that on the Friday evening, um, because our friend Andy very sadly couldn't make it for for very unfortunate circumstances, um, we. My brother and I were persuaded by Matthew to play this game called Oath. <laughs> and fuck me, we were both prepared to kill ourselves at about 11 o'clock that night. Uh, I think the idea behind it is great. It was a bad idea to do it on a Friday evening when we were tired and a bit drunk. And uh, we, we kind of got through the first turn, which is basically the turn where the game tells you what you do on your turn. And then we gave up because we were too tired. I think we played no, a bit I think, of the, the I think second we, turn. I think we, we got all the, the way through turn. to a, a winning situation. I think somebody I think, won. I think Tony won, but he won kind of out of the blue. So there was one card that was all powerful and he got it and then he won. Right. Oh, that seems to ring a bell. Um, so I think the idea of the game, which is kind of, I think it's sort of a narrative game and the end of one game sets up the beginning of the next game. So I like the idea of all of that. Uh, I just think we didn't do it justice at that time because of other circumstances that were affecting our ability to concentrate. But um, so on that occasion, it wasn't the most fun experience, I have to say. But again, as I said, it probably wasn't the game's fault or Matthew's fault. It was just that we picked the wrong moment to do it. Good, because you generally blame me for that, but never mind. Let's move on. I'm, (laughs) I'm 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 feeling unnaturally generous this morning. I don't know why. So uh, it won't last. Make the most of it, pal. So um, <laughs> the the next item I have in the news, so it, we'll look forward to, uh, I should say, to Gen Con when the winner of the Dana Jones Award will be announced and we'll see which mm. of those candidates gets through. Um, just, uh, just on Gen Con, I have decided I'm not going this year. So right. I, I can't quite afford it. It's a bit too expensive, the flights and stuff. Mm. I, do, I have to say I've, got, I've had a great... Um, encouragement from more than one person who said that you know have obviously have offered to to help out with things like uh, accommodation and stuff which has been great so great oh, cool. thank you to to that um is an effort to try and help me make it work but it's just the flights are too expensive it's just ridiculous yeah so no, I, can um, imagine. I can't with my with my low level of income this year i can't really justify it i'm afraid maybe next so, year Maybe next year. I'll look at it earlier, and then maybe I can book flights earlier and get them cheaper. Um, but that's the killer for me this year round. Yeah. And maybe so maybe we can earn you some extra money by doing some free league work at Insomnia and um, Comic-Con. Uh, Comic-Con as well as yeah. Dragon League. Maybe. So, 
Yeah, Freely are thinking about saying yes to those two um, conventions. So there may be, you know, there may be more appearances to buy stuff from us. Um, yeah. So and, Insomnia, uh, Insomnia is in September. So it's over my birthday, in fact. So seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, I think that is. Yeah, it's and a then, four day event. And then Comic Con. So there's two Comic Cons a year. This one is October the twenty seventh mm-hmm. to the 29th, I think. Um, now one of them's at Excel. I think Insomnia is at Excel, and I think no, Comic-Con... no, Insomnia I think is at Birmingham in NEC. Is it the other way, uh, other way around? Excel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so I mean, we're not hundred percent going yet. So no. Free League have still got a bit of work to do to make sure that they can get us in, and it's going to be worth worth the effort. Yeah. But at the moment, at the moment, we are we are kind of poised and ready, prepared to go. Uh, cool. And I expect that we will. It's just that possibly the, the rug might get pulled. If they can afford it. I think that's one of the big things, particularly with something. I, I think Comic-Con, with all the IPs we're selling now, um, I think that's that's a dead set. You could, we could have a, quite a small stand stacked high with, with all our box sets and just the two of us. And we could we could kill, make a killing there. So yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we're more likely to go there. Comic uh, Insomnia because it's a longer event and we have an interesting strategy that we'll tell you about later on if it pans out. If we're but, going, yeah. But that might be a riskier strategy involving more people for a longer time and uh, and therefore may not be affordable for Free League. So that I think yeah. is the one that is least likely to happen but we'll yeah we'll keep you informed as things progress. i mean it's, yeah it, it's interesting in that the free league kind of philosophy with these things is let's try it once and see mm. but the say the way we're looking to run insomnia might be like you say quite resource person time heavy for possibly not a huge payoff Return. on the first yeah. on the first attempt on the first year so we'll see we'll see um but then, but Anna from uh, Anna Anna Westerling from Free League is quite keen, I think, to give it a go, if uh, if they can make everything line up properly. Yeah, I'd be quite excited to do both of those things if they happen. Yeah, me Although too. Me too. That will mean a very busy kind of three months in the autumn for us. What with that and Dragon Meat happening in December. Yes. Yeah. Talking of which, but, we better book hotel room for Dragon Meat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's that's business we can discuss outside the podcast. Our listeners aren't interested in that. Uh, our listeners might be interested in um, the Free RPG Day, which happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. I have picked up a game for you, Dave. Have you? Which one was yeah. that then? Well, was that the says, doggo one? Yes. We hecking good doggos. I think hecking good doggos. I looked at that <laughs> with a lovely station on the front, and I thought of you. And cool. I love this because it is a game about dogs doing dog stuff, um, <laughs> which could be read in all sorts of ways. But I understand it's an all ages adventure, so I don't dogs think it's doing sort of... doggy stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think it's the dog stuff that I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, cool. Anyway, cool. so so I bought that for you, knowing you wouldn't be able oh. to make it to a local game store. Thank you. Yesterday. Thank you. Yeah, we don't have any any. I don't, I don't even know where my nearest one would be actually. Yeah, and they. You know, not all of them are doing... Um, Probably London. Especially. Yeah. And I also picked up Root, um, which mm. is um, cool. based on a game that I think Colin Verl... Col- what's his name? Cole Verley uh, may have had some involvement in the original board game of Root. 
And I also picked up the Dragon Bane Kickstarter, uh, Quick Start uh, because I thought, I've got this in PDF. I've played it already. You know, I don't really need it, but it's nice to have, given mm-hmm. that we're a podcast about the Free League. Yeah, um, nice. And I will, I will just say one thing about this that I really like, which, again, talks to Free League's attention to detail. Is mm-hmm. this is a oh, how many pages is it? I don't know. I should look it up. It's got no page numbers. Um, it's got no page numbers where I'm looking. Thirty-one pages, and then and then the character sheet. So one, two, three, four, five, uh, six. So and another twelve on that. Thirty-four pages. Forty-six pages. Forty-eight pages. I'm guessing. Because that's divisible by four. So no, another another fun first for the Effect podcast. Listening to someone count pages. Yeah, but, get in. But those last few pages, <laughs> the character sheets are perforated, so you can rip them out of the book and hand nice. them over to your players, and they are very nice. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I I just like that, and you know I like the way that the box set for Dragon Bane seems to be shaping up. I'm almost regretting. Um, not not backing it, but yeah, yeah, I don't think it's for us. I think, you know, we have forbidden lands, which we thoroughly enjoy. But I do think if, if really played this right, Dragon Bane could be quite big, um, particularly with Insomnia's audience, actually, but you know, it could be a great start for new role players. And I'd love to see a new generation getting in. And then, and then we, we wait for the day when they do a Dragon Bane 5e conversion. (laughs) (laughs) <clears throat> yeah. Yes. For go full circle. So that's all I picked up. Um, uh, there was yeah, some I mean, other stuff. It's, in in, it's interesting, isn't it? Talking about the, the comment you made there, like caught my ear, which is you know free league's attention to detail, which I think is is very true on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been looking through the Walking Dead again, mm-hmm. and because I'm going to run a campaign starting next week, because uh, the guys in my home group who um, who who, who I ran the um, the intro scenario with in advance yeah. of UK Games Expo, running it as a demo, uh, enjoyed it so much um, they wanted that they, want, they wanted to carry on. And, they, and two of them are taking characters from the pre-gens from that mm-hmm. uh, and to carry on with it. And I think that is down very much to those characters and the kind of agendas that they had set up, which led to a brilliant kind of finale in that in that scenario. But going through it again, it feels yeah. I'm I'm not. I'm on the one hand, I'm loving the Walking Dead, the look and feel, and some of it, some of the principles behind it are just fabulous. But on the other hand, I just feel they've kind of missed a bit of a trick with some of this. Um, and I I, I understand that there's unlikely to be, you know, massive changes to the beta. Which I think was always going to be the case. Then yeah. you know, at that point, at that point, they kind of made their minds up. On, Even on though the... you've written them a long email explaining what you think should change, you mean? Well, I, I offered them my comments, and they were they were you know gracious enough to say thank you for that, you know. Um, mm. But uh, I think the game is at a point in development, and they've play tested it, and they're happy with the decisions they've made, you know. And who am I to second guess, you know, the likes of Mateus and Nils Hintz and Thomas and their decisions about role playing games because they are. And of course, they, remember that they AMC. Great stuff. 
have uh, approved it as well, so they possibly don't want to go <clears> back <throat> and say, "Oh, we've changed it this way," and then go yeah. through the approval procedure again. But I think I think there are certain things in it. So I'm finding myself in um, in preparing for the game, home brewing quite a lot to 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 fill the gaps that I think I think are there. Mm. Um, it was interesting. One of our uh, one of our patrons, uh, I don't know what his real name is. Um, but he's uh, reluctant. Oh, Douglas, isn't it? Yeah, reluctant. Doug, yes. So, yeah, Doug. I just watched his video actually on. Um, yeah, so I, so yeah. yeah, so I watched his video yesterday. So, so Douglas put up a video about life paths in um, in in connection with uh, the Walking Dead, and he he kind of lent a little bit on the life path that I did for um, War Stories, which is great. I mean, there are certain things he needed to change, like you know, less soldierly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is fair, which is fair enough. But I think you know the the. I was thinking about it, having having listened to his his thing, and I, I kind of wondered. So yes, my initial knee jerk reaction is yes, life paths are great. I really like them. You know, which is which is Douglas's conclusion as well, um, and they add a lot to that building your character, <clears throat> building your character. But I, I kind of wondered, you know, perhaps they've made a specific decision in 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 relation to the Walking Dead, where actually your life before the the apocalypse happens is 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 irrelevant everything is what happened mm. afterwards and how you deal yeah. with it so i wonder if they made a decision to say you know we're not harking back to the good old days of before the zombies yeah. um we are all about what happened after that happened so in which case your life path before then is kind of irrelevant and they might have made a specific decision about yeah. about you know on those on those grounds yeah, that 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 could be the thing. And there's also, you know, a thing about life path. Um, one of the things we talk about, and so did Doug on his YouTube channel. He talks about how marvelous Thomas is, another patron of ours. Uh, uh, Japanese version uh, life path generation system yeah, is absolutely one of the brilliant things about that is the way that Thomas has taught us about Meiji period Japan. <laughs> through yeah. character generation so you yeah know, we, we, we we are all <clears throat> out of there a little bit wiser about a period of history and a culture about which i think everybody going in there knew absolutely nothing when we were, when yeah. we were creating our characters and we came out i wouldn't say feeling experts obviously no but we came out educated a little yeah. bit yeah and absolutely. It, you know i yeah and i i so like, like you say i knew nothing about that period other than its name um, yeah. Japanese history and Thomas's uh, approach was enlightening. It was yeah. it was very very well done. Very well done. Whereas indeed. of course in uh, the Walking Dead, uh, the, the the thing is, it's the now, it's the world that we know is the thing that we've all grown up in, and and now has been ruined by the zombie apocalypse. So yeah. there's not an opportunity to teach us about our life path. And indeed, you know, a thing you might want to do is say, oh, what does it mean? Here in Surrey, if we you know wanted to play a game locally where I live, what, how does that change? What you know, what are our cultures like? And of course, they can't write a life path that's going to do um, the American Deep South and the home counties and the Highlands of Scotland and yeah. the Ukraine. It, you know, right now, well, yeah. it's it would have to be, it would have to be very generic, wouldn't it? <clears throat> 
Yeah, and you know, and I worry that um, you know, I've tried we've tried to do something like that for the American West. And I just worried that with each iteration of that, we've become more and more generic there. And watching Doug's videos making me think, oh, you might want to have a look at that again and just see if I can hone that a bit. Um uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's interesting because I think um Having having watched Doug's Doug's video, whilst I was watching it, I, I got my war stories book off the off the shelf, and was going through the the life path in there. And it you know it is specifically designed to generate characters who are going to end up as soldiers in World War Two, yeah. and specifically designed from an American perspective, which yes. is fair enough. You know, it's Firelock, American company. That's where it's coming from. The campaign is all about you know Americans. Um, so you could, but you could quite easily translate that into a British, say, um, setup, or maybe, uh, you know, even a Dutch. But it, it does have a US 1930s feel to it, I think. Which yes. Is, I guess appropriate. So I'm playing a Dutchman, um, but it's a Dutchman that uh, escaped fascism and ended up in America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that works, that works really well, I think. You know, that's, that's probably historically... Uh, sound as well, you know. I'm sure that happened. Um, but yeah, so we're coming back to sort of like The Walking Dead, I'm just thinking about the TV series. I don't really. I mean, there was one. There was one enormous exception to this. But other other than this exception, which I'll mention in a moment, I don't think anyone talks about what they did before. No. And it's not. It's not relevant. It's not like oh, I I was an engineer, so therefore I can do all this stuff. It's just they can do all this stuff. Or I was I was a doctor, therefore I can heal people. It's just no, I I can heal people. The one the one difference is obviously Rick, who uh, yes. was a, a, sh- a sheriff at the start, and he is basically a sheriff throughout the whole series. He's running. He's, he's got that kind of role, mm. but they never hark, they don't hark back onto his life as a sheriff before the fall. It's all about you know he's just got the iconic hat, he's got the iconic badge, he's got the iconic gun. That's kind of irrelevant to what happened before the walkers appeared. It's only really relevant to what's after. So I was thinking for this game, I might do some kind of brief life path thing where you roll just to see what you, you know, where you came from. But actually, having thought about it, I might not bother. If the players want to get into that and decide what their background is, then fine. But I think on this occasion, I might follow Free League's example Mm. and not not put in a, a life path. Yeah, and, and I, I think maybe what they could have done, and I haven't read the PDF cover to cover, what they could have done was explained that, perhaps in a sidebar in the book somewhere. Yeah, We've deliberately and, not included a life path system for this very good reason. Perhaps. And and if you think about it as well, there is a little bit of um, of what I can remember from the first series at least of these people look like archetypes and we will find how the situation changes them as we go through the story. But, yeah. you've, you know, you've got very much your kind of your southern uh, white trash character and your, and your sheriff and, and people like that. And what happened? Yeah. So they, they come to us as archetypes at the beginning of the series and then we find depth in their characters as we play. Yes. Through. Yeah. So maybe maybe you're right. <clears throat> maybe that was a conscious decision on Friedrich's part. And that's, and that's, that's an interesting point as well, actually, because... Uh, if you take the white trash character, Daryl, Daryl mm-hmm. Dixon, and then you take the um, uh, Carol character, who was the downtrodden wife who was a victim of domestic abuse at the start. Yeah. And those two characters, about as far apart as they could be, 
And like you say, quite stereotypical right at the very start. If you watch their their journey through the series, Carol becomes this cold-blooded killer, um, whilst Darren softens, Daryl softens, and they become... It's no, not a romantic relationship, I don't think, unless it happens in the last series. But as close as, without getting a romantic relationship, they become, you know, each other's anchor, I think, yeah. if you're, you're using the game's uh, definitions. And I love that. So maybe that is... Again, what they're looking for, like you say, here are the archetypes. They're quite stereotypical, but where where do you end up? Where are you going to take them? Yeah. But again, if that was their thinking, then maybe they should have said it. Yeah. Made it obvious. Yeah. Because then people would say, yes, actually, I get that. That makes sense. That is, is in fact, cool and insightful, if that's what they've done. Yeah. Then again, what paragraph would you have taken out of the rule book so that you could put that in? I would probably have found space to put in another 300 words somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a challenge, though. So, I think if there's one thing that Free League have learned is to be really strict with their word count. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Maybe they thought there were other explanatory things they had to put in that are more important. Um where are Possibly. we on our on our running order? Because um, we've ooh, we are oh um, expo memories. And, Crikey, yes, ooh, and the and the item before it. Ah, yes. <laughs> so uh, I mean, um, which was going to happen after it actually wasn't it? Let's go into expo yes. memories straight away. Yeah, so I mean, we obviously had our episode last time, which was us there. That was such good fun. I mean, I, I don't know what people expect me to say, but. It's uh, uh, it was it was a real delight to 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 do the podcast in front of an audience. It was a delight that the audience were, you know, so helpful and, and cooperative, and and gave us interesting questions, brilliant questions. I did feel very very sorry for them with the way you set it up that they've got to come and stand in front of the me, you, and Johan like they're at the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> but luckily they they took it well, and yeah, um, yeah they. And so yeah, absolutely. A huge thank you to everyone who came along to the live, the live podcast and got stuck in and made it such a great fun event and asked lots of great questions, and took all our swag away so I didn't have to bring it back myself because, uh, you know, my house is only that's always good. Uh, they didn't take all but, my <clears throat> swag away because I only took about half of it to that. So I have now yeah. okay. I I gave the rest to the volunteers actually. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that was cool. For their, for yeah. their raffle. And one thing I gave to the bring and buy sale um, uh, for, as a charity donation. Um, yeah. So that was good. Yeah, no, that was cool. No, it was it was great. And and the, you know, it worked really well. We had a fabulous team. You know, Dean, Tom and Neil all worked their behinds off. And we did a, you know, we had a record breaking Friday. Yeah. And then we had a rec- and then we had a record breaking Saturday, which was Which also broke Friday's Friday. record. Yeah. Um, so it was superb. Uh, it went it went brilliantly well. I had enormous, enormous fun. Always, as these things do, they go far too quickly. And um, yeah, it was brilliant. I also, I mean, I really enjoyed doing the seminar that I did as well on um, sort of my, my tips for better writing and game design. And that was great, actually. We had a fabulous turnout. We had about 50 people come to that, mm-hmm. which was twi- twice as many as last year. That was just absolutely great. And... We've got about 50 minutes, but at 90 minutes, we were kind of asked to politely leave the room because they're going to need it later. And most people, at least half of them stayed for the whole 90 minutes. And we were just having such a good conversation. 
and um, brilliant people, lots of different perspectives. Um, it was great. It was really great to, to, to get to chat to people like that. A real pleasure. Cool. So we'll do it again next year, shall we? I think so, yes. Now, did you talk about, did you talk in your in your um, Becoming a Writer uh, seminar about um, the struggles of surviving on the uh, on, on the word rates of uh, a freelance RPG writer? Uh, it came up. Um, it came up. It, it wasn't something that I planned to talk about particularly. I mean, I was talking about tips to try and help people if they want to try and break into the industry things that might give them a slightly better chance. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was a question about it, and we did talk about it briefly, but I didn't go into great detail, other than saying, you know, you're not going to get paid a fortune being a freelance, you know, game writer or designer. Which, Only you know, N-World want to know how much you're paid. Indeed. I saw that. Uh, you sent me the link for that. I sent you a link survey. to that. So N-World are doing a survey. They did one a few <clears> years ago. Ooh, maybe as many as... I think it was 10 years ago, even, um, where they were looking at, you know, what are the word rates that people are getting paid anonymously? So you don't have to name your company yeah. you're working for or whatever. No. Um, no. And you've actually done the survey. I didn't really feel I've done enough freelance writing to do it. So was there an option to put in different word rates from different employers or, or what? Yes. Your, so, yeah. so basically the, the survey took about 30 seconds to do. It's really, really easy. But you then you could do more than one survey. And each mm-hmm. survey is basically for one, um, one instance, one, oh, one right. cool, one, um, one client, effectively. So I, I put in, I, I think I did four or five times for the different clients I've had, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they come out with at the at the end of this uh, process. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to collate. Yeah, or how long the survey is open for. Uh, I will check this, but I will put a link in the show notes because I know that some of our other patrons do freelance writing as well, and I'm sure more of our listeners than we know do freelance writing for games companies. And um, absolutely, yeah, yeah, you know. And I so so on here it's saying it was twenty. Sorry, it's twenty fifteen was the last time they did. uh, They did the survey. Twenty fifteen, so not ten years ago. Eight years ago. ago. Yeah, nearly ten. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think it's a very useful survey to have and to have that fact out there. And, you know, I was speaking with somebody yesterday who had been working or he hadn't been working a stand. His wife had been working a stand for a company that shall remain nameless and got paid in shop credit. Mm. And, you know, I, I feel you know we are privileged and, and lucky to be working for Free League where we get a decent rate for working the stand. Um, and I really feel more places ought to be paying properly, even for people working the stand, because that's bloody hard work, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, it's full on. And, 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 and what would we spend free league bloody shop credit on? I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And could we recruit as know. hard a working team as Neil and the others if... Um, well, I, I think you know a couple of things to mention. One is that Free League are, you know, we are we are we are generously paid. You know, we we get a good rate from them for doing this work, which is brilliant. So thank you to them for that. Um, and you know that, and that's without quibbling. We didn't have to negotiate or anything. They yeah, just offered right. us a decent, a, a, you know, a generous rate. Um, but but also, yeah, I mean, some people might do it just for fun. 
but I think you know if 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 that's the case, then you know you can't be expected to kind of be a full time employee. It's got to be, you know, come and do it for a couple of hours almost as a favour. Yeah, and that in that way just isn't going to work for a stand like ours or a stand that needs five or more people. Um, you can't do that on grace and favours because it's just to be too difficult to organise. Um, and yeah. yeah, and it would be un- unfair to expect people to do it. Oh, here you go. Have a have a ratty copy of Forbidden Lands. Thanks. Well, I don't want a ratty copy of Forbidden Lands. I've already got it, and I've got a good copy, yeah. kind of thing. So, um, and I think that is another thing that you know ought to be ought to be considered. Yeah. But now and I'm just looking at. I'm just. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. I was going to say they didn't even get any contribution to accommodation. No, I mean we again we're lucky we get we yeah. get those expenses covered. Yeah, which is great. Now, as I was going to say, I've just I've just had a look at last the the last, um, N World um, survey survey results. results. My brain, and I mean, interestingly enough, the the highest starting rate was seven cents per word, mm-hmm. and that very quickly goes down to five. And then that very quickly goes down to three or less for the vast majority. Yeah, I think I saw tw- somewhere. This is back in 2015, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, something like 1.8 was kind of the low end. 1.8 cents per word or something ridiculous. Um, right, so quite, so quite a lot of these are down at... I mean, there's one here, Joe. Well, people can look it up. Um, you'll be able to find it online, guys. That's what I did. So there's one here that's... You're getting half a cent per word up to two cents per word with experience, which is just frankly fucking insulting. Mm. I mean, you know, uh, and and I know certainly a lot of the smaller companies um, struggle. I've, I've done a bit of work for an indie uh, indie publisher, which I've taken, which I've done at a significantly lower rate than I would normally accept. But that's kind of fine in this instance. And, mm. you know, it's, it's a great fun game to work on. And I've only done a small amount of work on it and kind of doing it as a bit of a favour for a friend at the same time, which is all great. If I was going to do anything more substantial with them on, on that game, then I would need to have the the rate a bit higher because obviously this is my income. So I think there are exceptions that you might make for very small bits of work that you might really want to do. But this is, this is less than a day's work. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's kind of stuff you could do a you know, on a Saturday afternoon or over a weekend or something. <clears throat> um, I hope to see significantly better rates. I suspect they'll be a little bit better, but I still suspect they won't be... Massively. They won't be yeah. knocking the roof, blowing the roof off of any of this. So, and, you know, it, it's... I get it. There's not a lot of money to be made in, in, in this industry. And the publishers need to make a profit. Uh, otherwise, they'll never publish anything, in which case freelancers would never get any work. But then, you know, freelancers need to be need to be compensated. You know, not just writers, but artists and layout and and. Yeah, I think there may be a editing, survey for illustration as well, actually. So I'll try and find yeah. that and link that in the show notes too. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that one of the things I just noticed on the on this survey, um, which I'm still seeing happen today, eight years later. Mm-hmm. Is this here? Never work for the promise of exposure or for experience. Mm-hmm. You should work for money. Um, and I still see a little bit of that happening. I don't know how much, but um, 
no, I mean, not this. This hasn't been my personal experience, but I've had conversations with other other freelancers who've had in recent times this kind of offer. So um, nobody I've worked for has, has has had anything like this at all. And in fact, the, the companies I've worked for have been pretty generous. So uh, yeah, yeah. Be I think interesting to see what the new results are. You know, there's an interesting thing. I've just been thinking a bit more about what you were saying about, you know, if you, there's a company you love and you really want to have a bit of fun, there's nothing wrong with volunteering to work a stand no. at, um, uh, uh, for one of these companies. But I still think even if volunteering, they should be reducing the barriers to volunteering. So, for example, paying your way, you know, DMs at, Paying your expenses, at least. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, UK Games Expo have a thing where they kind of say, I can't remember exactly the the number of games you have to do, but, you know, you do X sessions of DMing, GMing games, then you get, you know, uh, free entry for a day. You do, I think, you know, I think one of the reasons why our patron, Bruce, did something like five sessions is then he gets his accommodation as well. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think that's only like shared, you know, it's accommodation in a shared room. That's not like a private room there. But at least, you know, there, there is that offer, that not reward for volunteering, but just getting rid of the barriers of you being able to volunteer, there, which I think yeah. is important. And I think if a, yeah. you know, a struggling games company wants to run their stall like that, I think there's no shame in that, but they should at least be doing that. They shouldn't be pe- expecting people to fund their own way to volunteering there. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Right. Cool. I think we've probably gone through the world of gaming in yeah. 55 minutes. So we've, <laughs> so, that's uh, most of an hour. Shall we quickly get on to our interview? Yeah, let's do that. So sadly, I was unable to to make the interview. But Matthew, yeah. I think you had a you had a lovely time. So let's, yeah, uh, let's I just. And before before we listen in, I just want to go over with our viewers why you weren't able to make this interview. Uh, a scheduling clash. Scheduling clash. You mean you forgot your son's <laughs> birthday? <laughs> I didn't forget my son's birthday. Well, no, you remembered it on the day, halfway through the day. You said, oh, I'm going to be out this evening. You didn't remember it when we were setting dates of this interview. Did you? No. No, sorry. Anyway, let's move swiftly on to the interview. <laughs> so one of the things that happened at UK Games Expo was a fabulous competitive alien tournament. And I only caught like the last 10 or 15 minutes of it, but it was ga- game mothered, one should remember to say, of course, with Alien by Fiona. Uh, Fiona, how do I say your surname? I should have asked this before we started recording. Not at all. It's not at all. You'd be surprised how many people do ask me. It's just Howat, H-O-W-A-T. But I've had many fun spellings of it with extra T's. I once got like one of those fake uh, spam letters to Fiona Hogwarts. And I was like, I don't know who that is. So yeah, Fiona <laughs> Howat is my name. Yeah. I know it's it's bizarre, but uh, my partner also has a weird surname as well. So we're both like, we're going to keep to our own respective surnames. <laughs> like we're not going to mush them together or anything like that. So yeah, but just oh, Fiona yeah, Howat. Yeah, then, then everybody would be very confused, I'm sure. We would... We don't know. We'll get no mail whatsoever. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, well, it all goes yeah. to Hogwarts. By our, it all goes to Hogwarts. Boo. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> now, uh, Fiona. Yeah, I only saw like as as we say the last fifteen minutes of what, by the evidence of that fifteen minutes, was a 
brilliant adventure. So I want mm -hmm. to talk to you about that in a while. But first of all, mm -hmm. we always ask all our new guests on the show, could you tell us, please, about your life in gaming? Hmm, no. Well, uh, how do I start? Um, so I am a nerd. That's always a good way to start these things. Um, I've always been a bit of a nerd, but I've never been into role-playing games until I'd say very recently. And by that, like five or six years, because usually you talk to people and they're like, I've been in it for 20 years. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't know anything about it. But uh, I I sort of came from a, uh, I was sort of in the Doctor Who Society at university, came down to London where I am now. And I was playing at the time uh, Quidditch, which is a basically the sport based on Harry Potter. And that's where I met a lot of friends. And then through that, uh, one of them was like, oh, shall we play a role playing game? And instantly I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to know about that. Cause it was always that sort of thing where other people would play it at lunchtime, but it was never for mm. me because I was, there was maths involved, all, all the usual barriers in quotation marks. Mm. And I started playing, uh, as, as always, with the most sort of recent wave of role-playing games. It was 5th uh, edition D&D, uh, the starter set. And I kind of realized about six months in that I really wanted to run it because mm -hmm. we weren't playing it often enough. We were taking our time with it. So I was like, I want to actually know the sort of game mechanics. I want to know more about it. And that's where mm -hmm. I discovered my second love, which is Kickstarter. <laughs> and realizing <laughs> all these role-playing games were being funded there. So I mm -hmm. went through a whole ton of Kickstarters, backing them and stuff, and then having this massive pile of RPGs to be read and never played. And at mm -hmm. the time, again, my day job, I'm a content developer as well. I was trying mm -hmm. to get people into doing audio content over video content because a lot of the time uh, I work in higher education a lot of the time video content's a lot harder because everyone's very critical about how you look rather than how you sound and it's much easier mm. to manipulate how you sound as well it's much easier to edit and stuff so all those sort of little factors came together and I was like what if I could demonstrate how to do audio easily simply how can I also learn these games and put them out there because uh, at the time as well, I was looking through YouTube and all these sort of things, and there wasn't much in terms of how to play guides or, or other actual plays that weren't necessarily D&D. &D. And so that's mm -hmm. where my sort of podcast, One of My Rolling, was born, where I just did one shots uh, every uh, every two weeks, uh, you know, different systems, and just exploring and what we what I love about making it into, like, storytelling. And that sort of then grew into what my current love is, which is uh, improv. improv. And that's what mm -hmm. I do as my regular second hobby now, or hopefully well, slightly paid as well as I started to teach it. But yeah, so that's basically the long journey of the last five years of going, I don't like sports anymore. Oh, look, <laughs> I can create <laughs> stories in my mind, you know, and with friends and, and put them out on the internet for other people to hear. So yeah, that's where, that's how, that's where you find me today. <laughs> Brilliant. So um, let's just go back to Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Can I ask some of your favorite purchases from Kickstarter? Oh, well, the, certainly the one that definitely got me into uh, wanting to do run more was Goblin Quest by mm -hmm. Grant Howard, because that was a Kickstarter one. And I found that primarily through Shut Up and Sit Down, their podcast, and the way they were doing little bits of like role playing stuff. And they did a hack of that called Sean Bean Quest, where the <laughs> idea in, in Goblin Quest, all, all it is is that you're basically your goblins trying to succeed at a goal, but you're also going to die. And yeah. it was just Sean Bean. And I was like, oh my God, I could play Sean Bean <laughs> in an RPG. <laughs> um, but more recent ones, again, I am a massive fan of Rowan Rook and Descard, I will, I will admit. Uh, obviously, any of, their, any of Grant's one shots are, are highly recommended in terms of getting into role playing games. But I picked up uh die the rpg mm -hmm. recently and i ran that just after it came out from the quick start i ran it 
for a group of people who'd only ever played D&D. And I, I was getting sent uh, screenshots from my friend the other day because it was a group of friends that I was a friend of a friend of. Mm-hmm. The, sh- the screenshots were like saying like, when can we play again and talk about our feelings, you know, <laughs> which is absolutely adorable. And yeah, so stuff like that, anything that I find, I find is, oh, it's different. And yeah. something about the mechanics that really draws me in. I, I also, yeah, I mean, as we all are with Kickstarter, any massive fans of the art, and I know like Free League, the art for every RPG mm. that they put out is gorgeous. I was actually looking through Dragonbane very recently as well. And Johan Ikekranz's illustrations are just Oh, I love them. I just this I just something about the the full plates of them that you see in like like chapter headings. Yeah. I just want that as posters, you know. So I just yeah, anything like that that catches my eye. Those are those are the ones I can think of. Cool. Now, of course, um so yeah, you mentioned Free League and we're a Free League podcast. So that's always good. You get points yeah. for that. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> um and we may come back to Dragon Bane, but I think possibly only if we're trying to pad out time because sure, obviously sure, sure. uh what I want to talk about is Alien, and Alien was one of the few games that they didn't mm. kickstart for um, no. for reasons uh, mm-hmm. which we won't go into now. Um, but uh, so, how do you come across Alien then if you were getting this large um, collection of of stuff delivered through the post from Kickstarter? Mm. So Alien was an interesting one because I think I remember it being announced as the big "Ooh, this is something that's different." This is like I believe like one of the first IP tabletop RPGs from Free League, which was obviously, mm. it's, I mean, it's still on the up and up in my head, but obviously it's a big... Yeah, European... it was their first IP. I mean, right, yeah. Coriolis was effectively their first, but it's not a famous one that everybody knows. So well, exactly. <laughs> well, and, but Actually, no, but no, it was Newton true. was their first, sorry. <laughs> Newton. Oh, yes, but no, but you're right, right. It wasn't a US-based company. Yeah. It was a European company. And so that, for me, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then I was trying to get into a pitch for uh, there's a, a streaming service called Girls Run These Worlds, which is an all-female run production studio uh, mm. as, a, as a Twitch stream. And they were accepting pitches for stuff. And I was like, what if I could run uh, an alien game, which is all female players? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I pitched it ages ago. And I, I pitched it as a, like a Halloween one. So this was before I'd even read anything. And they came back to me and they were like, why don't you do an actual limited series we'll get freely involved to sponsor it we'll get and then we came up with all these ideas like the first stream we did which was just uh, Char- uh, chariots of the gods mm-hmm. uh was all people who were older streamers so 30s plus etc because we wanted people who had been around when a you know was growing up with alien and seen yeah. it the first time and that was so much fun and i and that that got me into it because I, I always enjoyed alien when, it, when i was growing up as well it was one of my favorite sort of sci-fi things because obviously as an alien but also it's about the people and the story there's just something about it it's this 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 future is dystopian and it's not as nice as we'd like to think and these big corporations i don't know there's just some stuff of those elements really spoke to me and so yeah getting into the rpg for for that i could see so many interesting stories that have different with the different classes as well like you know you've got your space marines all that sort of thing but also the the people who are the colonists who are just left to die yeah. essentially there's just so many interesting elements that could make for really good storytelling and yep i'm very grateful for the girls when these worlds were going absolutely let's do it and that, that just threw me straight into learning the system and running it right so you started off with chariot of the gods did you start mm-hmm. doing uh, are there any of the early seeds of the adventure you were running at uk games expo in that girls uh, run the world, run these worlds stream? Uh, no, so for that for that limited series, again, I'm sure you and your listeners have obviously run or read through those those alien cinematic scenarios. Um, but actually, no, for that 
final so, so what with the with the tournament sorry we the first yeah. round of it was that starter set scenario to so the chariot of the gods where each oh, of right. the tables would run through as much as you could in four hours i will the caveat is, is that it's even though it says you could probably do it in four to five hour sessions i mean it's absolutely my- not <laughs> <laughs> i mean i got eight episodes and we barely finished it in the girls run these worlds limited series <laughs> which yeah. was fine by me but i i was like Right, how are we going to cut this down for a tournament style <laughs> play? And I still have an enjoyable time doing it, you know. I, I, um, I must admit, but... I, I play tested that. So uh, I should explain a bit. David, mm, Dave and I were told about it before they launched it, actually, so that because they kind of launched it around UK Games Expo, because they launched it on Alien Day, obviously. But then obviously. the first thing that happened after that was uh, was UK Games Expo. So they recruited us to play test it. Um, mm. And they gave us uh chariot of the gods uh to 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 effectively running and to get to the system and i foolishly said to i i uh, have a relationship with a group of gamers down at the game shop in aldershot and i said well we'll 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 run this there and um those sessions were about two and a half hours long and you know as i was reading chariot of the gods i thought yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> so, but actually, it, you can, you know, with a bit of prep, you can slice it down to something that does run in that short amount of time. So, yes. How long absolutely. were your, uh, so it was a four hour session that everybody was involved in in that first round of UK Games Expo? Yeah. So, UK, yeah, for UK Games Expo, we got four hours essentially mm-hmm. from sort of three o'clock to about seven o'clock. Um, I, I'm always a big fan of having breaks in it, cause, certainly because it's a very intense yeah. scenario anyway. But yeah, and for that, for me, we had a little chat with the other GMs because it was five of us running the same scenario. Mm-hmm. And with that scenario, I mean, massive spoilers if you've not played it, but I assume if you're on the Free League podcast talking about Alien, you probably, you, you might have read it through at least. But um, there's you've got obviously agendas for your, for your player characters. Mm-hmm. You've also possibly got a secret Android that's in there as well. Um, there's various lots of, uh, like there's, like a third act where there's another ship that turns up mm-hmm. i just said to the other gms play it by ear but in my game i'm not going to have the secret android because that will cause a lot of issues i mean i love it we had it in my uh, girls run these world stream and it, it worked really well but obviously that makes sense over time and the satillo sort of arriving and stuff i said only if they go they run the mill through all the characters and they just die off the you know, that's the only time it would come in so making choices like that and being aware of those choices beforehand just really mm-hmm. helped it streamlined that scenario for a tournament play because I, again i would say i've never done anything like that where i was like we have to finish the story yeah or finish, we have to come to an end point so we can vote who you're who's going through to the next round and make it a satisfying thing for the players as well because obviously they're they're customers in this you know they're, they're yeah. they want a good experience as well so i don't want to be like oh no well we'll find out next time um <laughs> and there's not a next time you know yeah right so that's something i wasn't aware of so that first round was Chariots of the Gods. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's worth, I, I do know this, but I think it's worth explaining to people who are saying, how do you do competitive Alien? Apart from the fact that, of course, uh, Alien is one of the few role-playing games where you kind of are a bit PvP and that some of you mm. have agendas that expressly favour other players or, you know, or don't favour the players at all or say you want to kill this other player or whatever. All those agendas exist. So... Mm so you can in a way kind of get a winner from aliens yes. but uh that that's probably the least uh the least cooperative player in that case yes. what did you do to choose the the winner of those early rounds 
Sure. So what I understand, again, I'm fairly new to this process, is that John Dodd, who we know and love from UK yeah. Games Expo, uh, he's done similar uh, com- competition tournament style RPGs previously. One, I believe, was Call of Cthulhu. And what he told me about that one is that it wasn't who did, who died the most or who sacrificed or anything like that. It was who was the most valuable role player or who was, mm. you know, that sort of thing, who made the session for you. And then the players would vote for that in secret and give it to the GM. And if there was a tie, the GM of that table would make a, a choice, uh, which mm. I quite liked. Because again, I, especially with Valen, like you said, uh, PvP, happen uh people's agendas could go across each other but for me the more important thing as well is trying to balance because at my table for example we had some brand new players who had never played the alien system but obviously enjoyed alien mm. so i wanted to get across like here's how you play and how the and some people who are much older and not much older so people who are much more experienced with the system or maybe have played that scenario before getting a chance to play a different storyline and inter- interact just giving that a little bit of a more interesting experience and so voting on that going oh, i really enjoyed what you did and one thing i tried to put across in my game was like if you can uh, say to the player at the end it doesn't matter who who gets voted to the next round but say like i like i do something called stars and wishes which was given to me by girls run these world and jason cordova of the gauntlet whereby you go around going um a star for me is like i thought this role play uh, uh, moment that you guys did together was amazing i thought like it really shone through something and mm-hmm. you took your time and i love that that a wish would be i guess we guess we explore that a bit more next session all that sort of thing but getting the players who might not ever do that maybe not you know even the star could be for yourself going oh i learned something really cool today and it's just to get people into like celebrating our, our role-playing wins and stuff because i think sometimes we come to the table we play the game and then we leave and we don't necessarily debrief or yeah or you know because I, I, that's the word exactly especially <laughs> when we're online now and we go yeah. sort of go bye and then you don't have the commute home yeah and you just sort of sit there in the dark going well i have feelings and emotions about good things and bad things and it's just it's a nice way to decompress and to talk with your players about how cool a game it was and how yeah. much you enjoyed it that is an interesting thing because I, I think, as you say, with with online play especially, I'm I, I have very strict rules about online play and that I won't play for more than two hours because mm. I'm just too old yeah. <laughs> to do that. And I think it's harder work playing online, looking at people in a little box um, mm-hmm. rather than relaxing around a table. But mm-hmm. the other thing I've noticed, and I haven't really uh, sort of thought of a plan for dealing with it, is sometimes I come away at like you know, 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night, knackered and wanting to go to bed, but also buzzing. Energized, and, yeah. And needing to decompress in some way, which, you know, mm. I, I kind of watched YouTube or read a book. You know, I, I haven't quite worked out, but that's maybe that, that formal I'm in the, bit of... Exactly the same boat, yeah. exactly the same boat, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then you, you end up then with, uh, was that six players? Were there six? Five players we had. It was supposed to be six, but there was a miscommunication with one of the teams, unfortunately. But we had five players in total for the final. Right. Okay. But you were going to have six. Yes. The idea is to get six tables. One person goes through from each table into six in the final round. And then this six then, so the yeah. six or five or six were um, transported into a new adventure, new characters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm I'm very nervous here because I want to say tell me more about that adventure, but also <laughs> let let let's take a step away from this a moment. What do you plan mm-hmm. to do with this adventure now that you've um, <laughs> y- you've run it? 
Um, well, I, it, it, I'm going to answer both of those questions because I'll start. So essentially, I wasn't aware what was expected of me as a final GM, a game mother for this thing. Like I was ready to run and I had a miscommunication myself because we'd previously talked about it, me and the organizer had organized like, that there would be a scenario provided for me. All and then right. a week ago, I found out that I was going to be providing the scenario. And I'll be honest, I, I don't normally do homebrew stuff i very rarely do it i'm very much i grasp onto the scenarios quite tightly and then maybe improvise around certain blocks and i was like okay it's fine it's fine it's fine don't worry don't worry you know and then i was looking through like uh the space uh the colonel space marines manual and i was like oh there's loads of stuff in here i can pick one of these adventures and that'll be fine and then slowly throughout the weekend, I discovered that not only had that adventure been run first thing on a Friday morning, uh, mm. that the GM of that particular session was in my game, who was then got voted through. Yeah, who got voted through to the final. Who and then who I realised two of the other people were players in his home games. All right. also, and most of them had played through every, through every single every. scenario. Whoa. And so I can tell you, ten minutes beforehand, I was like. All right, make your characters. They're all going to be Colonel Marines. You all can do that because you're all alien nerds. I'll go to the toilet and have a think. Uh, (laughs) Going to the toilet, the classic con strategy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, goodness. So I I cannot tell you how incredibly nervous I was because I was like, I can't use any of the prep, anything, because they'll see it because like, this is the thing and and i had this reason why one of the reasons i started podcasting different systems was that i was so nervous to run mm. D fifth edition because so many people know the creatures you put up yeah. a creature in front of them oh it's got an ac of 13 it's resistant to this and it's lots of backseat jamming now obviously i i will say the group that i had for the final would never do that they were incredibly yeah, helpful when i got the rules on. Yeah. yeah yeah so I, I again i don't wish to you know this is a big generalization but it's something that i was very worried about now i was sat there going anything i throw at them that's from these books they will know what it is and i don't want again going back to that experience and giving them something that they will want and i was like what would i do what do i want and i was thinking to myself well i am a horror nerd what is one thing that scares me more than anything and the answer matthew is children (laughs) so so what i did it's something again i'm very thankful for my improv on this point so i went back I wrote three bullet points down and then I started by saying, obviously these are Colonel Marines that have been in hypersleep. What's, and then go through and giving them a moment to define their backstory. Like what's one person that they missed or what's one thing that is important to you. And then we role played at the beginning, a short scene where some sort of dream sequence, which was nightmarish. And then they all woke up in a horrible place, a sort of abandoned medical facility with various children calling on the intercom saying, daddy, all that sort of horrible stuff. And then I think before the break, we had maternity ward come up somewhere. Mm. And that literally was it. Like I I knew I was going to have obviously the big queen alien at some point, but I wanted to get through like stuff that horrifies me will 100% horrify players. And we did a big sort of, safety tool stuff i always go through lines of hairs all that sort of thing but i thought these guys have got to the final they've all said they're okay with it whatever's in here in my brain that scares me the most they're gonna scare these guys and it was very successful it appeared to be so (laughs) i i came in and somebody was just saying i'm gonna punch the baby in the face (laughs) which is quite a horrific thing to come into but uh... Yes, there was a lot of, I will say, a lot of uh, Dead Space inspired stuff. I don't know if you've played that game where you go into a certain area and the baby sort of appears with like three horrible tentacles and stuff. And Mm. I just remember when I faced that the first time in a video game, I was like, that is nightmarish. So yes, all that sort of stuff from there. And 
what I used a lot in that adventure was playing off what the players were doing mm -hmm. and that would describe it because one of the players was very much I'm going to keep myself separate and I was like okay I'm going to make you the focus and you have to make a choice at the end whether these people live or not and this because they'd already <sighs> talked about it's very funny because they were talking about like are we clones are we this and I was just like that's a good idea yes <laughs> and it was great because I, I didn't do I hardly did anything but it was incredibly nerve-wracking to be like he keeping on my toes and making sure that the story at the time made sense because obviously if you look back at it in any great detail now you'd be like there's massive holes where these things are etc mm -hmm. but it was but for me so in answer to your question about what would I do with it in future I would definitely write a bit more of it down <laughs> yeah maybe put it out somewhere but it was it was definitely a big for me a big exercise in improving an adventure whilst knowing the basic rules and a couple of stat blocks for the for the aliens yeah. really well that that that's even more brilliant than than i thought it was because <laughs> i thought you'd spend hours working on that stuff here. nope and I've, got to, I've got to say i am pretty sure i remember some communication with john when he first came up with this idea and dave who is you know trying to be a freelance writer in this industry had said well I'll tell you what i could do you an alien adventure and I'm pretty sure John replied. I could even find the email now. Oh, no, 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 no. She's got it all in hand. It's no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, but to be fair, I wouldn't have known otherwise that I could do something like that. It was definitely yeah. one of the highlights of my weekend to go away with the big buzz. Thankfully, I was able to decompress because it was like midnight by the time we ended. And yeah. I was just in the pub afterwards with, with a Guinness going, ah, I am. I'm invincible as a GM uh, in that sort of sense. Because again, running uh, Alien for Alien nerds who who have played through every single scenario, and for them to go, that was so different. I didn't I didn't expect it, yeah. But I loved it. That's what I wanted to get out of it, and that and I felt I've delivered somehow. I've done it, you know. And so that yeah, I wouldn't. I I think like it was a good experience for me. But my goodness, I'm going to be reading my emails and asking well in advance if it happens again, just so yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, that is that's a, a terrible thing to have. Yeah, that whole experience of the of thinking. No, oh, I, I guess, can run I, guess that. I can. I then... would say not 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 necessarily terrible, but definitely like a my heart yeah. stopping slightly quite a few times over the weekend. So that's even more brilliant. Now tell me, you went to the bar afterwards. I know I went to the bar afterwards. I'm pretty sure that I thought I need a drink after only watching 15 minutes of it, <laughs> but I was pretty zonked out, so I didn't stay at the bar. Hmm. I don't. Yeah, I think we I think we did sort of cross in the drinks queue. Yes, I think so. Yeah. How yeah, many yeah. of your players joined you in the bar? Did any? Uh, one player did. I think to be fair, because I I've known him previously from other games, yeah. and he had because um, he enjoyed other games I run. Because I I try and run other RPGs when I'm at UK Games Expo, mm. and I think last year actually the first year I went as a GM, I did run uh, Hadley's Hope from the uh, alien book cool which is a great again Dave that, oh did you oh yeah. well there you go um but hey a nice one-shot version <laughs> great <laughs> perfect well um, i mean we actually designed that for the the fact that first uk games expo event and one of the so after we ran those then uh freely came to us and said could we adapt that for the uh for the core book? <laughs> could we just take could we just take that uh <laughs> yeah and we said yes yes I mean, please, we didn't please, even please. ask about money or anything like that we've been paid very well actually for any of course but um 
but yeah, no, we just wanted to get our names in the alien book. I have to say, but yeah, why wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. I, I get that. I get that. Oh, that's really uh, cool. But yeah, but that's such a yeah. Well, that Hadley Hopes one, I can highly recommend as a one shot. If the cinematic ones, like the you know, uh, Chariots of the Gods, Story of yeah. Worlds, or Heart of Darkness, if you're, I would say the Heart of Darkness, I quite like. They did say it will take at least three sessions to complete. I was like, aha, they've yeah. ch- someone's yes. given feedback. <laughs> well, but, I think um, yeah. I think one of the reasons why they asked us is because Chariot of the Gods was going to be in the core book. And they'd oh. realised that it simply wouldn't fit in the core book because Andrew no. Gasco writes a lot of adventure. He does. Um, I've, I've had him on Where before. Yeah. yeah, and he's a lovely, lovely guy. But yeah, I was like, there's a lot here. Um, yeah. So, so I think you know because he'd written so much, we got to do a little, you know, limited word count one. They said very much it's got to be. It's. I don't it's know what this, the word count yeah. was. 5,000 words or something like that. And even in our basic notes form, it was already 7,000 words. So Mm -hmm. nice. That tick tick on that front. (laughs) So anyway, sorry, that's, that's us blowing out. And our listeners have heard that story about a million times before, but it's always nice to tell somebody new. (laughs) Oh, oh no, no, I appreciate it. But yeah, so, so I think it was uh, Matthew who, who was in that original game and we talked about Ailey before, and then he he saw that I was running it and just so happened to make it to the final. So so he was the one that joined me afterwards and we were chatting about it. And he was the first person I told going, I made it all up. And he was like, what? And I was like, shh, <laughs> holding the Guinness. Going, shh, don't tell anyone. So, so that I was able to decompress with one of the players, which was lovely. But Brilliant. Because that's what know. I wanted to know is, did, did, did they know that they were as much co-authors as that adventure as you were? That's a good question. I don't, I don't think they did, honestly. I think the, uh, the GM of the game that I wanted to run, he said, I have some questions. But then uh, conveniently, I was just like, oh, no, oh, no, we're doing this <laughs> ceremony go now. <laughs> Um, but I think I think that but obviously I would have asked and I obviously would have told them honestly as well. But I think because they weren't they were all like a driving and stuff because obviously we had train trouble yeah, yeah. Uh, this year the UK gate so they all left in in their droves which is totally fine. But I've, I would I think again if I was doing this in the future I would absolutely offer to be like hey if people are around afterwards let's get a drink you can ask me anything I'll be honest and I and I'd also take feedback as well because one thing I really appreciate as a, as a game mother as a GM in general is that I know. I don't get the rules right all the time. And I certainly was aware in the alien was like, okay, tell me, I'm going to, you know, you're going to do something, explain to me what it is, just read it out for me. Cause then I know the next time. Yeah. And it just makes me feel so much better and just making sure that they're not getting a disservice from me, but it also means that if I miss something, they're like, oh, actually this. And I, they don't feel like, oh, she's going to be like, no, I'm, I, I'm the game mother, you know, like, Rrr. but also I don't want them to feel like they can't help me. And yeah. I always put it as a, you are helping me run the game rather than, your backseat GMing and like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't do that. They're, no, they were very, very good on that front. I would like, love to say they were Brilliant. fantastic players. But for uh, four of them, if they're mm. listening to this podcast, and obviously they are because we are the premier alien be. podcast, are we not? <laughs> um, alien mm. RPG podcast. There are other podcasts that deal with the films and stuff. Mm. So if you're listening and you're, they're finding out now that, <laughs> that you've made it all up, is there anything you want to tell them? Uh, you you think that was the worst. <laughs> There's so much more in here. That, no, but honestly, thank you. You guys were such amazing players to uh, bounce off, whether you knew it or not. And uh, yeah, you were very giving in that scenario. So thank you so much. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't tell you. <laughs> um, but obviously, uh, if you if you do have questions, find me on the internet and message me and I will answer them. Uh, I'm more than happy to about that situation, uh, and that, that scenario. I guess that's a lovely segue into how do people find you on the internet? 
Uh, well, when I'm not pretending to be aliens or making up stories about them, uh, you can find me uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. So I run the What Am I Rolling, which is a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast. Uh, it's on all the usual places. Uh, we run actual plays, usually of one shot systems, or uh, and it's different genres. I mostly pick it on what I would like to do, it, rather than whatever is current. But always happy to take suggestions. Uh, I'm also, if you're like, there's only one system that rules them all. I also do the DMs Book Club, which is a D and D law podcast mm-hmm. we take a little bit of war law each week discuss it and say how we would completely improve it critique it to an inch of its life and like what we would use it in a different game um but also if you're like dnds for, for just rubbish uh, we hate them because of various o- ogl pinkerton yeah. stuff you know we I totally understand so we are starting hopefully in the next couple of months so we're starting the gm's book club which is gonna be a very similar thing where we take uh, a game yeah. system look at it in a bit more detail and what we like about it and stuff and if we've done any actual plays on it so my co-host hamilton and i we've done a couple of recordings of that so far we've done blade runner we've done the one ring mm-hmm. uh we're going to do brindlewood bay we're just just games that interest us and interest our, our audience because uh, as much as i love uh looking through how-to videos and so sometimes I'm just like, i just want to see like a quick you know half an hour and then chunked up into chapters what it is etc and that's what we're planning to do with that as well so oh, those are where you can find me all over the internet just check in like what am i rolling the dm's book club and the gm's book club cool. wherever and, you uh, you, and so and they i know what am i rolling has a twitter account it does, yes. Uh, at WAIR underscore podcast. Yes. Um, but if you've got, like, if you're into one of those people who are into link trees, which is just linktr.ee forward slash WAIR underscore podcast, that's where you can find and all the All the links well. are there. And we'll put a link all to that links. in our show notes. <laughs> yes. So people can find us there. That, that's absolutely brilliant. Oh, and you. I think we're probably out of time. Look at that, 33. I wanted about half an hour's worth of content. Hey. And, um, don't chop me out. There'll be about five minutes. So uh, that, no, that's been absolutely brilliant, Fiona. Thank, Thank you for you. coming along and admitting how you made the whole thing up. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I think more people are going to judge me about like what is going on in her head most of the time now, rather than she didn't have a scenario ready. So yeah, no, that, that the, so the the children and then for me there was definitely a breaking of the waters scenario that I heard mm. in that last five minutes, and I was thinking. Yeah. Oh my God! Is this all about childbirth? And uh, <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. So um, we're going to say goodbye now and come back to me and my co-host uh, Dave. Oh well, that was a cool, uh, a cool chat, and um, really great to hear Fiona's take on all of it. Um, interesting though, <laughs> the whole uh, we've got no adventure angle. <laughs> I think was uh, quite entertaining. Well, probably not very entertaining for her on the day before. Yeah, I'm not sure how she felt. No, it doesn't sound very entertaining. Um, but I mean, interesting, because obviously we'd spoken to John ooh, over the last couple of years, actually, about the idea of doing this. And I remember talking to him at Dragon Meets, not last year, but the year before, about the same kind of thing, but for the previous UK Games Expo, where we'd, you know, we'd offered to get involved uh, and help. And then obviously we had a bit of an email exchange with him over this one, where again, I think I don't think we were able to write anything for him, but... Uh, certainly offered to assist and help out in any way mm. we could. So um, I, I guess John had just thought, yeah, it's in hand. It's not done yet, but it's in hand, so we don't need to worry about it. And then actually, as time crept away, oh, shit, we haven't done anything about it. It was a bit like, you know, when we were doing Alien for the demos in 2019, um, me going back to Thomas and saying, we might need the uh, the rules for the xenomorphs. And he goes, mm, we haven't got any. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, which is great, because then I got to write them and... 
that got into the book. Yeah, that was superb. Um, so I didn't mind in the slightest. But it's uh, it's. But we know, had a damn sight more warning than you. on the day before we were running the. <laughs> that is true, but that was, I guess, because we asked. I don't know yeah. whether Fiona asked John about it earlier on. Um, yeah. But I think. But still, did. I mean, also, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, we've got a stack of alien scenarios, including the la- hopes last. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the last the, hopes the last scenarios. Hopes. Yeah. Um, which are designed for conventions. So uh, offer there for Fiona and John for next time. If, if they're finding themselves a bit short, then we can easily dust off those. And, um, yeah. and, and you know, they've got ready-made convention scenarios for Alien all ready to go. I mean, admittedly, some people might know them or some people might uh, might have played them. Yes, uh, yeah. Either at conventions uh, you know, or elsewhere. Because our patrons but, get them after all, don't but, they? But, but, but still... Um, as an option, as a failsafe, it might be better than nothing. So yeah, but no, it sounds like it was a great, a great event. I would, I would love to have gone there and and um, and been part of the, uh, the the award ceremony at the end. I was just screwed, unfortunately. <laughs> I'd made the mistake the night before of having one last drink with Johan uh, at his <laughs> hotel bar, which ended up being three or four last drinks, and was was basically. Yeah, I must admit, though, I didn't have much sleep the, the night before day. either because I'd had those two espresso martinis. And <laughs> yeah. Blindly assuring you. everybody they we, wouldn't keep me we awake. Did, <laughs> we did warn you. Yeah. No, um, I mean, and normally, I mean, when, when, when it first came up and they said it's going to be 12 o'clock at you know, midnight, and knowing what you're like and knowing what I'm like normally, it was like, yeah, I'll yeah. do it. Don't worry, I'll be awake at midnight and you won't. But actually, um, it was the other way around, and it was yeah. entirely. And it wasn't fault. actually that late in the end. It was like um, I think quarter to eleven. That I went down there. Um, yeah, I even had time for a drink afterwards, and I needed a drink afterwards. Just just listening to the last fifteen minutes of the show. But um, uh, one thing I have um, yeah. vaguely suggested to Fiona is that she might run it for us at some point. So okay, um, that'd be cool. That might be cool. Yeah, we'll. Um, we should get back in touch with her about that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm up for that. Yeah, that sounds, When she's like actually written it, however. <laughs> Rather than making it up off the top of her head. Yeah. <laughs> cool. No, cool, cool. Right, is that enough programme for this I th- week? I think it is. I think it is. Um, and I'm sure, our, I'm sure our listeners agree. <laughs> That's enough, yeah. shut up. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I did the interview this week, so it's your turn to do some homework for next week. What are you going to talk about? Well, I was thinking, seeing we're still quite close to UK Games Expo, I could um, do a, you know, a, a run-through of some of the stuff that I said at the seminar. Hmm. On just my take on, um, on better writing and game design. How does that sound? Sounds good. So, um, better writing and game design next week on Effect, uh, episode, not next week, in two weeks' time, episode (laughs) 211. Uh, Until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And may the icons bless your bloody adventures. Because let's face it, in Coriolis, they often are bloody adventures. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you get auto-fire on. Okay. (laughs) See you, everybody. Bye, folks. Bye. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.